James. Raph. The hacktivists are back at it. Yeah, it's true. It's like we're in the 90s again. Have you seen the photo of Mudge and Bill Clinton? I, I'm not sure. Describe it to me. Actually, before I do, can you describe what an, in your head like a 90s hacker, uh, late 90s hacker it looks like? I'm thinking like a long leather trench coat <laughs> with like long hair, maybe like some sparse facial hair or like a weird little goatee or like one of those like devil goatees that like, you know, I don't know how you would describe it. It's like the thing that like new metal bass players have. Well, admin reveal. All right, show it, show it to me. You've nailed it. <laughs> you see, it's not. He's actually not wearing a trench coat, but it looks like it is one. <laughs> it kind of looks. It's like a suit jacket, it, but it looks like a trench coat. Yeah, it's almost one. a Harry Potter esque in some ways. Yeah. But you got the long hair. You got yeah the terrible facial hair and like a kind of pockmarked face. And meeting the president, you know, <laughs> dreams dreams do really come true. <laughs> So Mudge, who's Mudge? So Mudge is the nom de plume or handle of a hacker by the name of Peter Zatko. Um, and basically Peter Zatko or Mudge was one of sort of the original generation of hackers in the 90s. I mean, not the original generation. Obviously, there were guys doing other stuff a little bit earlier. But he was part of like a bunch of different hacker collectives. Cult of the Dead Cow. Cult of the Dead Cow, yep, uh, which was a Texas hacker group. He was in one called um, Loft. Um, and Loft is kind of funny because there was like a um, US Senate testimony back in like 998 or something where Loft, the hacker group, including Mudge, testified in front of the US Senate about sort of cybersecurity issues. Um, and the video is on YouTube. It's like an hour long. It's very, it's very funny because it's like all these guys that are just like complete nerds lined up all dressed up in suits looking awkward as hell and they're all like addressed by their usernames nice so and it's incredible because it's like i don't know who the senator is but it's some like deep south senator who's like we have loft here (laughs) and they want to be referred to by their usernames (laughs) and and he goes off he goes this is mudge this is and he 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 goes off throughout anyway it was kind of a famous clip because mudge says makes the, the crazy claim that he and his boys could shut down the internet in 30 minutes. <laughs> we could shut all this down as, you know, gasps for the crowd and whatever. I just back, this is back when, obviously, the, um, the US government's security could have been better. Anyway, fast forward a long time. Mudge has sort of ricocheted through all different companies. He worked for the US Department of Defense for a while. Yeah, he's a big name. He's been around. Yeah, totally. But his most recent high-profile job was he became head of security at Twitter. Mm. And he became head of security at Twitter after what some people might remember seeing in the headlines, a huge security breach that happened in 2020. Do you remember what happened, Raf? Uh, yes, like Biden and like Elon and stuff got hacked. That's correct. So um, a whole bunch of like high profile accounts all started tweeting like links to basically a Bitcoin scam. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. apparently the scammer and like this was like seriously high profile accounts all got done. But like the scammer in the end got like like 15 grand worth of Bitcoin or something. Yeah, well, I think it was a bit more, but it was not a huge haul. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was for what turned out to be teenagers that did it. And uh, so basically Mudge was brought on, I guess the it was Jack Dorsey or whatever at the time was like, get me, get me Mudge or whatever. Get me the best guy in the world to be the new Twitter head of security. Yeah. So that was a sim, uh, sim swap scam, right? Which is like the most basic form of hacking imaginable. There are basically two ways to hack nowadays. 
There's three, but one of them never happens. The third, I'm going to start from the bottom up. We're Please. counting down three, two, one, boom. The third is by finding zero-day exploits and vulnerabilities in someone's code and blah, 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 blah. Quite hard to do. Often takes nation states. I could do it. Okay. You've got 30 <laughs> minutes to bring down the US uh, government. I'll prove myself later. It's okay. Two, your classic phishing attack. To, you know, you send an email, someone clicks a fucking link, ideally puts in their username and password into a fake site. From there, you might actually start using number three. Like you might actually start using some zero days, et cetera. But, you know, someone's got to actually give you some form of access. Then number one, and that's what this is, is a SIM swap. The classic call up your telephone provider, change your phone number to the phone number of Elon Musk that you found out somehow. Then forgot password on Twitter, like two-factor authentication via SMS or whatever. Click the link. Boom. You've got access. Simple. Well, actually, because <laughs> Mudge said it was something even funnier, which I guess you could say it's the fourth category. Okay. Um, <laughs> which is that it was literally these kids rang up uh, various people at Twitter and said, can, we, can you give me your password? And they gave it to them. <laughs> Oh, right. I didn't know that. I thought it was a SIM swap. No, it wasn't a SIM swap. Um, <laughs> Even better, social engineering. Yeah, it was, and like not just social engineering, but absolutely bottom of the barrel social engineering you could pull off, which was literally ringing a Twitter employee and saying, what's your username and password? And just doing it to multiple people until one of them, or I think multiple, were like, here you go, here, here are the keys, run wild with it. So the reason that came out is because Mudge left Twitter, whether he was sacked or left of his own accord is mm. up in the air. And now he has filed a whistleblower complaint mm. arguing uh, that Twitter is absolutely riddled with security vulnerabilities in a way that is a threat to US national security, mm. threat to the global order. We are one step away from global nuclear annihilation and it's just like Twitter's awful security things that are, that are stopping that. So you sent that to the CNN and now that's sort of cascaded over the past week, basically. And it does sound like the internals at Twitter are pretty shambolic. Yeah. Everything I've heard over the years from various people who have interfaced in Twitter mm. with Twitter in various capacities tell me that it's like at every level a completely shambolic company and it's remarkable that it manages to chug along as it does. Yeah. Even just like basic operation stuff. So for really top-line cyber security stuff, obviously it's the same deal. And Mudge says he couldn't fix it. He said that nobody seemed interested. He was basically saying, you know, there are probably literal spies working here. <laughs> yeah, like there's things that he suggested that the Indian government pressured Twitter to hire certain employees, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that Russia was telling them to do various things and they were folding on it. And But like, the, you know, the big one is that there's basically, like in every platform like this, there's a central sort of God mode that you can activate where technically it should only be a very small number of engineers in a very specific set of circumstances can have like unlimited access to... Mm do what they will with various accounts or, or functions of the platform. You might remember like a it was while Donald Trump was president. Remember there was that that day where one of them just like deleted his account? Yeah. It was a guy that had just was leaving and then yeah. like on his way out the door, I guess, after doing like, you know, the having last streaks, just went on a computer and del deleted Donald Trump's account, um, which they fixed. But I think that was kind of like a suggestion of how the situation is because basically what Mudge says is that there are so many engineers that have access to that God mode mm. to do whatever they like with. There's no logs to figure out who is coming and going and accessing that power. 
And obviously this becomes irrelevant because like all the world leaders use Twitter. Mm. So much like political discourse happens on there as compared to probably any other platform. Yeah. So if someone went in and just logged into Joe Biden's account and instead of posting like a Bitcoin scam had posted, I've just launched the nukes, bitch, they're yeah. coming your way. And then like that could be that could be it No, totally. for all of us. Makes you think. Who knows what the repercussions would be? Yeah, it might be fine. You know, I don't know. Maybe, did, Mudge, did Mudge put that into his calculation? Yeah. Like, like, maybe it'd be fine. Maybe everyone will just say lol. Yeah. But all that stuff was very interesting and juicy and um, also confirmed, I think, a lot of the things that people have been saying. However, mm. one criticism I have of it is that in some ways it was kind of couched around the whole Elon Musk Twitter thing. Yeah. The whole story kind of drifted that way. Um, because one of the things in, in this like 200-page whistleblower complaint that Mudge put out, um, roasting his former employer, he said that basically Twitter is overrun with bots and they don't have a proper system for identifying bots mm. or finding out exactly how many there are, which that might be a, probably pretty low on the list of complaints of things that he talked about, but it became the big story because a story that we haven't actually discussed on Downround just yet that is the the excuse that Elon Musk is using to get out of the out of the Twitter deal. The deal to acquire Twitter is that it has too many bots. Yeah, and they lied to him about it. So now he Elon Musk has actually subpoenaed and Mudge himself or the complaint, the unredacted complaint or something, to prove Twitter's been lying to me. So I should be able to get out of this deal. Yeah, I mean the issue there is, and without getting into like the full ins and outs and blow by blow of the whole Elon Musk Twitter thing, because to be perfectly frank. My eyes start to glaze over when people get technical. But, and producer, cut this out if it's boring. But the misconception people have is Elon Musk says, Twitter says that 5% of accounts are bots, but it's way more than that. That's not actually what Twitter is saying. Twitter is saying 5% of monetizable daily active users are bots slash spam. And to quickly explain that, monetizable daily active users are all the accounts minus the bots and spam. And they don't actually report on how many total number of daily active users, which includes bots. Now, in some cases, bots are like, fine. It's a weather bot or shit poster bot, Bosch bot. There's plenty. The cowboy emoji bot. Yeah, yeah. A lot a great, of great, great bots. One. Yeah, yeah. So Twitter say, we don't count that in the number we report every month of uh, monetizable daily active users. Every day of our MDAOs, as it's called, the monetizable ones, the ones we do count, we grab 100 accounts and like manually audit them effectively and see how many of those are bots. Over the course of a quarter, that's like 3,000 accounts. Apparently, that's statistically significant. Of those 3,000, about 5% are bots. So that's 5% of the MDAOs, not 5% total users. Yep. But Elon's argument is like basically a PR campaign. Surely, more than 5% of users are bots. And it's like, well, they are, right? Like it's undisputably that. If 5% of MDAOs are, then more than 5% are bots. But Twitter has never reported on the number that is not MDAOs. Yeah. I mean, it's all, uh, you know, as you say, it is incredibly boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've completely knocked me, knocked me for six with that. Um, <laughs> no, but look, as it comes down to it, it's pretty clear that um, Musk's whole argument, you know, I don't think he really cares that much about how many bots there are. <laughs> and obviously, his core complaint is that the stock market collapsed or went down significantly from 
like five days after he announced he was going to buy Twitter. Yeah. All of a sudden, it was a terrible deal. Yeah. Twitter's not worth $46 billion. It's, exactly. So he's trying to wriggle out of that. And, you know, it, it's worth remembering that when he first announced the deal, one of the things that he said he wanted to do with Twitter was get rid of the bots. Yeah. That was one of his arguments for buying it. And now he's saying it's, one of, it's the reason why he can't. But obviously, well, there's, who knows what's actually going to happen when it gets put in front of the... Delaware Court of Chancery that, that looks after like every corporate dispute in the country. Well, obviously, there's two very funny outcomes. Mm-hmm. Elon wins, Twitter wins. Both funny. If Elon's forced to buy Twitter, that's great. Elon gets out of it, very amusing as well. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's probably just going to be like a settlement, right? Is- yeah, I, th- I think that's probably most likely. There'll be some something that goes out. I don't think... Someone like Elon and like a company like Twitter, yeah, they'll figure it out in some way. But there are, there's a whole range of very funny outcomes that could come out here, including like the the complete destruction of Twitter, which I think is pretty pretty amusing. I like it, but I like the side. I like being on there, but it is it is pretty funny. But the, you know, the thought of him being forced to close is a forty six billion dollar deal. That's very amusing. Yeah. <laughs> so, any indication as to why? Mudge has come out here with a whistleblowing complaint. Well, there's like a couple of theories. I mean, to be clear, Twitter came out and said that he's basically a liar and they said that he was sacked for being a shitty manager, really bad boss, wasn't effective, got sacked and he was mad about it. They, That's they, probably true too. I saw, you, you saw, I saw the photo of him. The guy, he looks like a bum. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. But there's also the angle that, CNN sort of covered a little bit was the fact that he seemed to butt heads with Parag Agrawal, the CEO of Twitter, but at the time was the CTO. He was like the the technology boss there. They could never agree on things. That was sort of like the core dispute within the company. He claims that he liked Jack Dorsey, but he was really disconnected in the last in the final months of being at Twitter. So obviously there's some like weird politics going on there between people. Yeah, apparently he was like a bit of a kind of a live wire. Like Mudge didn't need the job, you know, this job at Twitter as head of security. He is the kind of guy who apparently could go anywhere and he was the kind of guy who threw bombs. Jack, who knows how interested he actually was in running Twitter. Like this is a guy who, A, is also CEO of Square, a huge business, way bigger, like 10 times the size of Twitter with regards to its market cap. You know, was saying that he was going to spend at least 50% of the year in Africa, was already a part-time CEO, Getting dunked in ice baths, I think, like six days a week. Yeah, and would occasionally just insult his own company and talk about like it being shit or what it should be or what it was kind of meant to be. And then he seemed to have orchestrated the new CEO, Mudge, etc. I don't like to psychoanalyze, but it does seem like he may have uh, contributed to a certain amount of chaos at Twitter. Yeah, no, totally. I, I would say that the it's, it rings true, everything that Mudge is sort of saying, whether it goes as deep as he says, is is another question. But I do think, obviously, it seems like a really hugely dysfunctional company, which I and guess and a company that can't make money. Yeah, no, well, it can't, well, you know, it does make a little bit of money, but you know, not heaps, considering how much like cultural and social power it sort of has. Mm. Like it's one, it's a platform that only a small, relatively small percentage of the U.S. population is on. You know, in Australia, it's so minor. Mm. I, don't, I don't think it cracks. I'm pretty sure it doesn't even crack like 10% in Australia in terms of people that actually regularly use it. Mm. And yet the people that are actually on it tend to be fairly cultural tastemakers or whatever or actual politicians or anything like that. And the fact that like that's a they can't turn that A into being like a huge and profitable company mm. or B, get their shit together at all. 
is like is funny. That's yeah. also that's also really funny. <laughs> no, totally. And but you're right. The you turn on the news or what have you, and presenters have their friggin' Twitter handle underneath them. Yeah. Commentators do, etc. Like they don't have their Instagram under there. They don't have the Facebook. God, we don't want that. No. <laughs> and yeah, as you say, like the fact that they can't really turn that into cold hard cash. And also, like you know, Twitter leads the media in so such a like deep way. Mm. Like journalists get their stories from there. They spend all day talking to each other on there. Yeah. As you say, like you'll always see like tweets come up on screen when you're watching TV mm. or like links to Twitter accounts. And the fact that there is just like omnipresent in the culture. Obviously like Donald Trump like ran his administration through Twitter mm. until he was you know, banned RIP. And yet the fact that an average person could hear all that and be like Wow, Twitter must be where it's at, but I'm just <laughs> never going to go. On there. Yeah. It's, it's got to be a huge indictment on the company. 